0: Welcome to Stutter Stories, where guests from around the world each share the ins, outs, ups, and downs of life and conversation as a person who stutters. I'm your host, Trisha Hedinger. I recently heard this term uh, on a podcast that was referring more to the internet and political views but it really struck a chord with me as how it can relate to people who stutter and the term is echo chamber an echo chamber has two different definitions one is just an enclosed space where sound reverberates like a cave or something but the other definition is an environment in which a person encounters Only beliefs or opinions that coincide with their own so that their existing views are reinforced and alternative ideas are not considered. So basically, you are having the same type of information or the same thoughts bombarded on you day after day after day. And I feel like sometimes people who stutter are living in an echo chamber with either their own thoughts or thoughts that are brought in by other people. And what we really hope to achieve through stutter stories is changing the thoughts that are echoing around in in your mind um, to help change your perspective. Because if you're never allowing alternative ideas or alternative thoughts about your speech, about your stuttering, about communication, um, then it's going to be really challenging to make positive changes. If thoughts are negative or self-defeating and we hear them over and over again and we don't have the opportunity or seek out the opportunity to hear different perspectives or more positive perspectives about stuttering from other people, then how are we going to make difference, a change for the better? How are we going to make a change for the better if we keep hearing the same negative thoughts over and over? Whether it's your own thoughts or input from other people. So changing what is echoing around in our chamber is... Uh, really valuable. So that's that's something at Stutter Stories that we hope to change, that we hope to help present to you our different ideas and different um, thoughts about stuttering through hearing the stories of other people from around the world. And that brings us to our very, very special guest today. And this is Mr. Tom Scharstein. He is the chairman of the World Stuttering Network. He is an unstoppable force in helping and supporting people who stutter, in making connections. He is a tireless advocate and an inspiration for the stuttering community. And today I welcome Mr. Tom Scharstein. Welcome, Tom.
1: Thank you for having me on your show.
0: I'm glad to have you here. So why don't you start off and just tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Okay. I'm a person who stutters, and I'm, um, I'm very fortunate, very lucky to be part of the world stuttering community. And my focus is on the World Stuttering Network. And, and our goal is to bring together all the support group leaders in the entire world into a conversation to just learn how to do this better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And how do you think, so tell us where, where are you from? Where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: and I am now in, in South Florida.
0: Mm -hmm. So how do you think growing up in Cincinnati, um, may have impacted your relationship with stuttering? Like, what are some perceptions about stuttering in Ohio? Or are they any different in Florida? Or just thinking of the United States as a whole, even. Um, how do you think those perceptions or just the climate of your family and friends may have impacted your relationship with stuttering?
1: It's a great question, Tricia. And I, I would really have to go back to the beginning. And in my early days, when we parked our dinosaurs outside of school, <laughs> that's, that's how long ago that was, um, stuttering was viewed as a problem. You know, it needed to be fixed. And I remember being pulled out of my class once a week to go to speech therapy. And I, and I know that in those days, it was relatively new, this whole stuttering thing, how to fix it. And so it was, um, it was basically reading the magazine in front of a speech pathologist. So she was a very mm-hmm. caring, very loving person. And um, I, I think that, that maybe the idea was the, the more a person spoke, you know, the, the less they would stutter and eventually they would become fluent. And, you know, but that didn't really help me. And um, mm-hmm. uh, that she, she did the best that she could. That's mm-hmm. for sure. And um, so the fascinating thing is that I had a recent conversation with my 99-year-old grandmother about stuttering. Mm-hmm. And she said, "Tom, you know, the, the day that you stuttered was after your brother died. He was four and I was three. Mm-hmm. And so she said that that's the first day that I remember you stuttering. Mm-hmm. And of course, I, I don't know if it was that, that tragic event, that, you know, that somehow triggered by predisposition position to stutter, or if that was, you know, if that was the first time that she had noticed it. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but that's what she told me, and I found that to be very um, interesting. Mm-hmm. I was raised in a, uh, a religion that was based on public speaking. It was based on, on selling magazines on Saturday mornings, door to door. Mm. And so it, it was a, uh, something that you had to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I couldn't really, uh, you know, I couldn't really opt out of it. And, I, um, so, so what was funny was that I would, uh, I'd be in my little suit and I had my little briefcase mm-hmm. and I'd go up to someone's door and they would come to the door. And my stuttering was to the point where I just, I would block, incessantly mm. so I would close my eyes struggle to get the first word out which is my mm. and hold my hand out hold the magazines up and after a couple minutes they would take whatever money they had in their pocket or purse and they would put in my hand I think just to get rid of me <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so often I would come back to the car with pocketfuls of, uh, pocketfuls of money and I didn't even uh, even sell any magazines, you know. I um, I would have been their their uh, their top salesman year after year, all because of my stuttering.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> and so that the um, and being raised in that environment uh, changed everything for me. Wow. You know, because because my confidence was um, it, it was at an all time low. You know, I had very low self-esteem because here, you know, I was. Um, uh, it was a very isolated society, and and so the the the. um so all of my friends, everyone else was on stage giving these speeches and uh-huh. everything, and and that was the next level of, of progression. You know, of course, I've got a competitive side to me, so I also wanted to progress and we wanted to be like, you know, with the rest of my friends. Yeah. And, and so, when I was about um, about eighteen or nineteen, I remember signing up for the public speech, and there I was on stage. And um, you know, I practiced my speech; it's a five-minute speech, and practiced it all week.
0: Uh-huh. And
1: got up on stage, and, and I think you know where this story is going.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I couldn't say anything.
0: hmm
1: So I, you know, tried breathing harder. I tried. I tried closing my eyes.
0: Mm-hmm. I tried,
1: uh, tried slowing down the first word.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and so after after some time, they actually came up and, and they escorted me off stage, you know, because nothing was happening. Uh-huh. So if there was an all-time low in my life, that would have been it, you know. Mm-hmm. And and um, and and sadly, you know, the explanation was because we talked about it later, and, and the explanation was that my faith just wasn't strong enough. Or I'd be cured like Moses was cured and you know, all these, you know all these other people. And you know, okay. so and and I I actually believed it, you know, so that led to uh, uh led to very low self-esteem. Yeah. And and around that time I was uh uh I started out in a um a construction career and, and I found myself in management and and the, um, this was a large company. And, and, you know, when I was first making those phone calls, whoo, they were tough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it was difficult. And you call suppliers and you call customers. And, and so one of the larger suppliers called the owner and said, you know, you, you can't let, uh, don't let Tom call us anymore. You have to have someone else. You know, all my people are complaining because he takes so long. And the owner of the company, you know, it's a multi-million dollar company, and he and he told um and he told the other owner that if he can't work with me, mm-hmm. he can't work with our company.
0: That's amazing. And
1: when I heard that, that that was the turning point. That changed everything. Mm-hmm. I felt like that you know, this this champion appeared. This is the first time anyone had ever shown confidence in me, you know, and so um, I was to the point where I was I was ready to just you know do something manually, or I wouldn't have to talk. But from that point on, I, I realized that yeah, there are people that will believe in me, and um, and press on, and, and it just ignited me.
0: Wow, and is is do you feel like there was a point? in there where you went from not liking talking to loving talking, or did you feel like you always enjoyed talking? Like where, where did that, um, was there a change for you there? I felt
1: like an outgoing personality was trapped, mm. you know, and, and I always felt like that, that, well, if I was fluent, you know, I would be and and that. And I also realized that there was certain parts of my personality that I like talking and I like meeting people, mm-hmm. but stuttering held me back. So stuttering, you know, shaped the perception that people had of me. Yes. You know, I felt like I just wasn't, you know, stuttering prevented me from being authentic.
0: Yeah. And Tom, I've known you for a long time and I haven't heard um, those stories before. So that's, you know, it's great to hear you tell them. Um, so, how would you say your your friends and family they typically responded to your stuttering, either either as a child or as an adult?
1: My father stuttered, and he would be a um, a covert stutterer. Mm-hmm. But, um, the, the term used to be a closet stutter. Mm. And even though I only heard him stutter uh, just a few times in my whole life. If if he felt like he was going to stutter, he wouldn't talk. Uh-huh. You know, my mom made all of his calls, and, you know, and and I never really, I never really observed him speak in a in a stressful situation. And he always told me, you know, you know, you stutter, just take it easy on yourself. Don't put yourself in, um, under pressure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so so that was an internal conflict because I knew that I wanted to do more, yet I, I hear the person that I'm supposed to respect and listen to that was telling me to take it easy, you know, because you're stuttering, settle for a life where you won't have to talk.
0: Mm. Hmm. That's challenging to, to have those two different kind of fighting feelings inside of you. Um, so would you say what responses from people that do you get or uh, make you cringe or feel annoyed or or what are your pet peeves? would you say, as far as uh, responses from people when they see stuttering?
1: My pet peeve would be um, someone that says, that says I used to stutter, you know, when we mm-hmm. see celebrities and when we see people in the news and when mm-hmm. we hear people that used to stutter, you know, and I'm always, I always want to talk to them. I always want to Skype with them or I want to Zoom with them, you know, especially the people that are, promoting cures. I've made it kind of a personal mission that when I come across those type of people, you know, I want to talk to them, you know, and I've not, not run across anyone that used to stutter and is now completely fluent. Right. You know, they might have tricks, might word substitute, and they might look thoughtful during a block, but I haven't <laughs> run across anyone that, that used to stutter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, we see that a lot out on uh from celebrities these days. You're right. Um, can you tell me about a time that was particularly challenging or defeating related to stuttering? I know you you did mention as a child, is there is there any other, other any other moments that stand out to you?
1: I was involved in a relationship
0: mm-hmm.
1: that my stuttering was embarrassing to the other person. Mm. And I I think that that was a tough thing. You know, it made me just um, uh, I mean, I I had to stop and I had to keep reassessing, well, why am I in this relationship? You know, there's a lot of other good things. But this, you know, this one thing about being embarrassed, you know, when we were at a party or or in a group or dinner or something and 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 I began speaking and I would block, I would, I, I would see her turn away, you know, just embarrassed. Yeah. you know, because I wasn't this this perfect speaker, you know, mm-hmm. this uh, perceived confidence speaker. And and I think that, that was uh, that was a couple of bad times. Yeah, those was, was couple of bad experiences. But then stuttering, you know, as a filter it showed me who that person really was. So it was a good thing.
0: Yeah. In in hindsight, things that are are challenging in the moment, you know, we can sometimes bring something beneficial or learn something new that uh, it's a skill that it's given us. And that's kind of seeing people in a different light. Um, And I think... Uh, I think people don 't talk about relationships enough about how stuttering plays a role in it um, and the, the dating aspect and 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 people talk about dating and finding people, but then when you 're in the relationship there 's still you know things that come up. And I, you don't hear people talk about that enough. So it's, it's great that you share that. Um, so you did learn something from that experience. Um, are there other times in your life that uh, you've changed perspectives about stuttering or um, you know, something, something happened and it changed you for the better?
1: Oh, absolutely. And, and, and I am so glad that you asked that question. You know, I, I was at the point in my life later on in life where where I, I would uh, advocate for stuttering all the time. And I would, you would see me on stage and you'd hear me speaking about it's okay to stutter and, and, um, and, and accept your stutter and be okay with it. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, uh, I met someone at a conference. Both of her children stutter. Uh, the side point is, now that we're family, we call her the weird one because three out of the four people in our house stutter. <laughs> you know, so we tease her all the time, you know, about being the weird one. <laughs> uh, back to your question though, one has a, one powers through it. Um, he's 18. Uh-huh. You, you know, when he, and, and he just uh, powers through everything. He doesn't let it stop, stop him. Mm-hmm. And, then the other uh has a pretty pronounced struggle you know and just and and we have uh shed a lot of tears through high school and now that 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 they're in college i mean we we just uh uh i'm seeing that every day you know where stuttering is not okay I, i mean the you know this person would give anything not to stutter you know it's not it's not a form of pride or, or, or she, she doesn't wear it like a badge, you mm-hmm. know? So it's forced me just to, just to step back, you know, and to realize that, I mean, there is a diverse, just this, um, uh, the scale, you know, of people in the stuttering community. There's the ones that, that you'll find on stage that say, I, uh, it's okay to stutter and all this other stuff. I used to stutter, you know, and, and then, you know, on the other side of the the scale, there's people that that's not okay. you know that every day is just this horrendous experience. you know, yet they uh, they have the courage to get out of bed. you know, and I've told her that that she's got uh, she's got more courage on the tip of her little finger than than i I have in my whole body, you know mm-hmm. because I you know, she has a full ride scholarship. She, she will be a, um, a marine biology scientist, you know, and, and yet
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's a struggle, you right. know. So, um, yeah, it's it just, once again, it's impressed upon me to just accept people where they are with their stuttering, you know, and make sure that there's never, ever any pressure, you know, to accept some type of a mantra that the rest of us have.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Not everybody's in the same place at the same time.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Um, Can you tell me, do, do you have a specific mantra or inspirational phrase that you return to for motivation or that inspires you or just, you know, something that, that you think about when you're either having a tough day or, or having a great day? Is there something a phrase that motivates you,
1: Tricia? Have you asked some of the best questions? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so glad that you asked that one. Uh, yes, um, I realize that that the way I have to live is that if I hesitate to do something, I've got to ask myself, and I do this um, every day. I mean, even at this age, would I do this if I didn't stutter, mm. or would I say this if I didn't stutter? If the answer is yes, I make myself do it. I make myself raise my hand. I make myself speak up. I make myself um, uh, give a presentation. You know, so so that is my go back. You know, and I I, I still have fear. You know, I, I think confidence is something that you have to work on every single day. So it's not a one and done.
0: Right.
1: You know, right. and, and um, that's that is my go to questions you know, that I, that I ask myself and that really has helped me because things start to get easier once you're in the habit of doing that.
0: Yeah. That's a great question to ask yourself frequently every day, like you're saying, um, you know, would I do this if I didn't stutter? Um, yeah, that's great. Um, So if you were in a room uh, with a group of people who stuttered, which uh, you often are, uh, (laughs) and uh, what question would you ask them to start a real conversation?
1: Could everyone tell me their story?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's, everybody has a unique story. and, and sharing it. There's that, that one quote that, that kind of, I keep going back to, and that, you know, shame dies when you share your story in a safe place. And I kind of keep going back to that. And, and even there's other modifications of it, but I think that's really, you know, the ultimate goal here of our podcast is, you know, we're doing this for the interviewee, for, for the person who's on the podcast, but also for everybody who's listening, you know, hearing, telling your own story and then hearing other people's stories. And that's, that's our ultimate goal here. So is
1: there. Thank you for doing this podcast, Trisha. I'm I'm just super pumped about this.
0: Good. Great. Great. Is there anything else you want to share with us today, Tom?
1: If, You are a stuttering or stammering support group leader. If you treat people who stutter or stammer, or if you love the people who stutter or stammer, and you want to learn more about support, please look us up on the World Stuttering Network. There's a place for you.
0: Thank you so much for that, Tom. That's great. Thank you for being here with us today.
1: Well, thank you so much, Tricia. I mean, I I always enjoy hearing your
0: smile. For more information about the World Stuttering Network, check out our website at www.worldstutteringnetwork.net.